Welcome back to the COS Business Podcast. My name is Andrew Hasley, and I'm the host of the show. Today, I'm sitting here with Paul Bierman, who is the founder of Power Tool Safe. Can you tell us a little bit about what your business is and your story behind it? Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Andrew. It's, it's great to be here. Um, Power Tool Safe is we're a web-based app. So we are a service as a so- we're software as a service. We're an online um, database for contractors to register their equipment. So theft is really big within the construction industry. And I've spent 30 years as a, as a builder, uh, as an independent builder, and then a contractor, subcontractor, and a general contractor. And through my own experience with theft, I recognized that you know, builders don't take care of their, the equipment that they rely on to make a living. They don't have good records, um, so that they're not good with organization management. And that's why theft is so prevalent in the construction industry. So what we've done is created a way to help them build the records they need to prevent theft and then to combat theft when they do experience it. And now a word from our sponsors. Recon Marketing is the fastest growing social media agency in Colorado. Recon focuses on becoming an extension of your business while providing social media management, review management, and digital marketing. Recon Marketing, putting you on the radar. Nice. Yes. And we're going to dive into to more, more of that. I'm going to look over here, make sure everything is firing correctly and make sure my posture is good. <laughs> <laughs> Only because of the framing, you know, I got to make sure it's framed correctly. So. In the frame, out of the frame. The frame <laughs> exactly. out of the it's frame. very easy. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. Um, so what really, so you got into power, you, you've got into the construction industry and that's what got you into power tool safe. Uh, you said you had 30 years of experience in construction. What got you into construction? Um, I, you know, from the time I was little, construction always made sense. We were, my parents were teachers, so we didn't have a lot of money. We had four kids in a 900 square foot house. Um, and when I was in fourth grade, my parents decided to add on to the house, make it a little bit bigger, but they couldn't hire a general contractor to come in with their crews. Instead, they hired a contractor to consult and kind of lead mm. them and give them the guidance. But we did a lot of the work ourselves. So from the time I was little, um, I, I got a lot of exposure to construction, um, helping with, you know, pulling wires, moving material. Um, and it just, that whole process just clicked with me. It just Mm -hmm. made sense to me. And from that time on, I always found myself either building forts or Mm -hmm. working for neighbors on remodels and just kind of drawn to that construction industry and I, or to a construction project and just that hands-on of, taking nothing or having a thought and then building a fort mm. or or creating something that you could step back at the end of the day and be like wow look what i just did that's cool yeah so there's it's almost like it's instant positive feedback at the end of a day when you can look back and say oh those walls weren't there this morning and odds are those will be there long after i'm gone mm-hmm. it's a good feeling yeah it's like that's that's cool you brought up the fort thing too I've, yeah. i have i have a couple fort stories oh yeah uh, yeah don't like, we all don't we all <laughs> i hope and some so. of those we probably don't want to share either, yeah right? <laughs> no for sure that's actually true uh although i am pretty i do wear my heart on my sleeve and uh, i'm very transparent in everything i do so i'm not afraid to 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 share things but but yeah i, I do know i do know what you i do there's there's some stories that are probably less need to be shared but <laughs> but that's just growing up and yeah, yeah. lessons of life like uh for, fourth like we I remember in fourth grade, like we lived in Arkansas for a year and uh, we built a tree house. Yeah. Uh, we built uh, a 
first we built this fort that was on the ground and then somebody came by and destroyed it. So we're like, let's put it in the sky, build a ladder that we take with us. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. And so, so we did that and, uh, it was, it was cool. You know, we had like, we built some things in it, you know, I was like in third grade, so it's a very rough memory. That was actually the same year 9-11 happened too. So, (laughs) so that kind of dates me where where I'm, how old I am. So, uh, but I just, it's cool how those, those major life events can happen and you can centralize memories around it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's one of my, my, uh, uh, forts. What was one of your favorite, uh, forts that you built? You know, my best friend and I, um, grew up kind of on the edge of town and we had, um, a lot of open fields. And so we would go out and we would build, you know, we'd find old ponds or whatever. And for the most part, the open fields were, I mean, they were, they were cow pastures. And so we would just go out and have the place to ourselves. So we would find either, um, you know, old places where they had mined or um, there were, you know, old pits that we would turn into forts or BMX tracks. Mm-hmm. We'd build jumps. You know, we'd go out there and we'd steal fireworks and light off fireworks or, you know, build fires, play with matches, the things you're not supposed to do when you're little. I'm yeah. Like, okay, this is, okay, today we can play with matches. Yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't burn anything down. But, yes. <laughs> you know, that's, I, those are the memories that, you know, that were always fun. But we had, even when my kids are little, we lived on a house, uh, on an irrigation ditch that had a bunch of uh, mature cottonwood trees. And one of the trees had an old fort in it, but my son wanted to rebuild it. So we ended up building a three-story fort. I think he was probably nine or 10 at the time. And we ended up building a three-story fort. Around that was the almost, tree? That was almost 50 feet in the air. Wow. And I mean, why not? What better way for kids to be outside, to be creative mm-hmm. and to create their own space in nature? I love it. Yeah. And I, I actually, I, I, I can... F- Feel those feelings that I had when I was a kid, as you're saying that, of building forts. I even yeah. wanted to build uh, uh, the show Dexter's La- Laboratory was popular when I was a kid, and I wanted to build my own underground laboratory. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, I had I had a big vision, and like there was a tree stump, and it was like we, we didn't make any progress. Me and my brother, we actually we wanted to build an airplane too. Uh, so we we had like a burn pile because we lived in the country for a, a little bit, you know, when we were younger, yeah. we had like a big old burn pile and. Uh, so we would gather all the metal and just try to hammer it together. We had like just a pile of metal. <laughs> but that was our vision, though, was yeah. we're going to build an airplane. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing is like it does force you to be creative and it does allow you to to get feedback from your creativity. And, and it, in a sense, it inspires you mm-hmm. like you have an idea and then you try to create something usually at that age or at any age, even when you have an idea you could try to create something and you're like, oh gosh, this, this doesn't quite live up to what my, what my idea was mm-hmm. room for improvement. Let's try it again. Exactly. Let's try it again. Yeah. And we just keep going. And, and I think that's, that's the fun part is there's always a mental challenge when you just unleash your imagination. Yeah. Okay. So let's bring that challenge back to power tool safe. <laughs> so yeah. And, and really, so, so what was, um, what, what, what is, what is, what was some of those, uh, challenges that you you would face when you when you first built power tool safe what was the thing is like oh crap you know so so power tool safe was there was technically a trigger event like for the most part you know i i i was in construction and i loved construction i was a general contractor and i was building a brewery in montana and i came to work one day and the back of the trailer was wide open and a lot of my tools were gone and so through that process and you know this is one that so many builders go through because 
you just think, oh, I, I'm in a good place. I've got good locks. I got lights on. I'm okay. They're targeted, I, probably. <laughs> and really, we have this false narrative. We tell ourselves, like, this won't happen to me. Yep. And it's so easy to convince ourselves that this won't happen to me. So I showed up to work. My trailer was broken into. My tools were gone. I filed a police report, called my insurance company, and my insurance company said, oh, your, uh, your theft policy lapsed. You chose not to renew it. I thought, well, that was dumb of me. You know, I, um, the police officer showed up and he said, you know, give me the give me the information you have. Tell me the tools that are gone. Give me the serial numbers you have. And I thought, oh, man, I don't have any of that. Mm. And so I thought about, you know, I looked at the trailer. When you use the same tools every day, you take them out of the same spot and you put them back. So just through memory, I knew what I lost. And so then I, I made a list and I went home and I started Googling the tools that I lost so I could find images of what I lost. And and through that process, um, I was able to, to find images on the internet of the exact tools, the models that I had, mm -hmm. and I printed those off with, and then I created a, a description of each tool that was gone. And so from that, I was able to create really a comprehensive list of what was gone. And I gave that, you know, use that as part of my police report. And then I went pawn shop to pawn shop in town looking for my stuff. And about the third time, the, the third pawn shop I went into, which was barely a mile from my job, I, I went in and I, I said, hey, I lost a bunch of tools. Here's a list of what I've, I'm missing. And he started flipping through the pages and he got to the third page and he's like, oh, I got that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one. Mm. And it was that quick. It was like a light bulb just went off in my head. It's like, man, I'm an idiot. I didn't have my serial numbers. I didn't have anything. I lost extra time from work. Mm -hmm. It took all this work on my end. And, and now I got you know, maybe 30% of my stuff back, mm -hmm. but other stuff is still missing. And I have no way to report good information to police to help them out. Mm -hmm. And for me, it just kind of hit me. It's like, man, everybody, when I got my stuff hit, there were a couple other jobs in town that got hit too. And they had the same story. And thankfully it was a small enough community that, you know, you start telling people what happened and they say, hey, so-and-so had their, their trailer broken into mm -hmm. as well. And so you start talking to each other and same thing, every, nobody has the information they need to do anything about it. So that just kind of sat in the back of my mind. And I think really for me, the, what inspired me was the realization that like, damn, I'm an idiot. I let myself become this vulnerable because I chose to do nothing. And I chose to convince myself that it wouldn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's a better way. Yeah. And so, you know, it just became a side project that I would think about and I'd kick around and then I hired a couple, I hired an intern and we started creating an expression of what it would look like. What's an easy way to create records. Cause I was like, the entire industry needs a way to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I started with an intern and I didn't get too far. You know, I know construction. I don't know anything about programming. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about parsing out a good programmer. You know, I had to learn through construction, how to find a good plumber mm -hmm. that, cares about what they do, how to find a good electrician that was and how to build a network out. of subcontractors that share my level of quality and professionalism. Mm -hmm. And so I could create that network, but now I'm in programming and I know nothing mm -hmm. about programming. So I hired an intern that didn't get me very far, but it got me to the point where I started talking and somebody introduced me to two programmers that worked for a local, um, software company. Um, Oracle has a big presence in, in Bozeman. So nice. there's a lot of programmers that kind of moonlight on the side. Mm -hmm. And they helped me start to put together more of an app and design an app. And that worked for a while until they said, oh, we're too busy with work. Now we got to scrap this. We can't help you anymore. And so then I found another guy 
Did you still have the code or you had to start well, from scratch? Every time I had the code and I'd go to the next level, everybody else would be like, yeah, I can't use that. We need to start. Yeah, because like they don't know what was going on. Yeah. You know, it's like, Or they say, oh, this isn't scalable or, oh, this isn't how I do it. So we just need to start over. Okay, yeah. So then I finally, um, you know, I'm still in construction. This is just a part time because it's like it's just gnawing at the back of my head. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's a better way to do this. And so we got to the point where um, I found um, – I found an app developer and I hired him and he created an app for me. And so now I have a working model of an app and I'm able to share that with some other people. And one of the guys on my hockey team is a senior developer at Oracle as well. And, you know, he's, I I showed him what I was doing. And one of the guys that I was building a custom home for, I showed him and he is a consultant as well. And they both kind of looked at me and they're like, you're in construction. How the hell did you actually get designed and create an app that that's functional? It's like, this is unheard of. People don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, nobody told me I shouldn't do this. You're a creator. That's what you are. You're a builder. I I didn't know. Like, I didn't know, like, this isn't supposed to happen or the likelihood of success to get to this point is so slim. Like, definitely. It was probably a dumb idea to do. Mm. Like, I didn't realize the risk. You're saying, looking back, if you would have if you would have known the risk and 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 the um, the likelihood of it not working out you might not have even pursued it yeah if somebody said mm-hmm. oh man your odds of making something happen are one in a thousand or one in 500 or whatever if somebody would have said this is a great idea but your capacity to bring this to fruition mm-hmm. is next to nothing you're wasting your time mm-hmm. and your resources yeah, a lot of people would say that about any business, though, too. Well, and that's true, too. So I think naivety really helped me out. But mm-hmm. at that point, when I was able to share that app and show them what we were able to do, they kind of shook their heads and they're like, wow. You know, and then we started talking about it and they say, oh, whoa, this is big. Mm-hmm. This is actually big because the construction industry, there's there's one and a half billion dollars a year of things that get stolen. Mm-hmm. And who, who and, was saying this is big? Uh, the... The people that I was talking to, I was explaining this, trying to figure out where do I go from here? How do I make gotcha, this work? Gotcha. And, you know, so the same thing. So now I have an app and they look at it and say, well, this is really technically, this is an expression. This shows how it needs to be done, but this isn't scalable. It isn't marketable because this will crash. You can only mm-hmm. add so many people. And so basically they said, okay, let's look at this. And and as we looked at it and we started to analyze it, we realized that, you know, there's a lot of tool tracking programs out there. And anybody can sign up for free tool tracking apps or whatnot. But what most people don't realize is that theft is, it's an aspect that creates a pain point for everybody within the construction industry. Like the construction industry has its own ecosystem. And if you think about it, every tool enters that ecosystem from a retailer. So a builder buys a tool from a retailer. That builder's so busy working that he doesn't even keep track of the tools he's got, which makes it easy for a thief to come in and steal his stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that thief is going to go and try to sell it either online on, on Facebook marketplace or go to a pawn shop or see where he can get cash for it. And that builder's left now calling a police officer to file a police report, doesn't have the information to give the police officer the records he needs to effectively help catch the bad guy. Mm-hmm. A pawn shop's going to buy that tool. And then if if I can find that tool in a pawn shop and prove it was stolen, now that pawn shop's out money too. Mm-hmm. So even further than that, like I, I mentioned when it happened to me, 
my theft insurance policy lapsed, but if I have good records and I know exactly what my tools are, I can give a copy of all my records to that insurance company and I can usually get a better rate on theft insurance with it. Mm. So theft insurance is part, or not theft insurance, but insurance companies are part of this ecosystem mm -hmm. that, in, that includes retailers, law enforcement, pawn shops, builders, and thieves, and it puts the builder in the center of this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And tools flow in and out, and everybody's affected by, everybody's affected by theft because it costs them all money and effort. Mm -hmm. Isn't it wild that, like, it's just one group of people is causing all of these other people problems? <laughs> yeah, and and so there's also duplicate efforts in theft recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, between law enforcement, between insurance companies, and and contractors. They're all looking for their own tools, and they don't really have a way to do it together. Mm -hmm. So our platform actually creates an entire ecosystem because because we've designed it as a database. You sign up with an email address, and you can enter all your tools. And that way, this is a searchable database for both law enforcement and pawn shops. So if your stuff gets stolen, you can instantly create a, a theft report, mm -hmm. use that to file a police report, and then attach information from that police report to your stolen tools being the police officer's contact information, his email. And so since we have a searchable database for law enforcement or pawn shops, they can search a brand model and a serial number, which is a unique identifier for each tool. Mm -hmm. And if that belongs to a user in our system, we can use instant notifications to communicate mm -hmm. to all parties to help fight theft. Yeah, and as you build uh, the database, as you have more people involved, the more efficient, the more effective it gets, kind of like a uh, Tesla's autopilot. Absolutely. You know, the more yeah. Tesla's on the yeah. road, the better. Because Tesla isn't technically, they, they sell cars, but they're more of a data collection company. That's what they do. Absolutely. <laughs> well, y yes, they are. And I think I, I think Google is kind of the same thing. If you look, like use Google Maps or whatever. 100%. They're, yeah. they're all using the same thing. What we're trying to do, though, is, you know, again, because every tool comes from, every tool comes from a retailer into that ecosystem, whether or not that tool is stolen from the retailer store itself, the information, we've created a way to create tool records just from the information on the box. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to open it, but we can use photos to automatically create tool records to save you time, to attach receipts to it so you can track warranties, you can you know find replacement parts, you can do everything you need. We give you all the tool tracking um, tools you need mm -hmm. to sort tools by job, by employee, whatever. but. Tool tracking actually starts when your tools are stolen. So creating a network where everybody works together, our biggest, our, our brick wall right now, our biggest hurdle is getting the retailers to recognize the value that this service could have to their customers by actually using the information they have available at the time of purchase and transforming that information into a tool record for their customer. Mm -hmm. It's a service-based product that actually helps their customer, it saves their customer time and it gives their customer the information they need to protect their equipment. And by by automatically registering those tools for their customers, it creates a database to help law mm -hmm. enforcement and pawn shops protect their and customers. And you're talking about retailers? Retailers. Mm -hmm. And so we have an API for our product. Nice. And that's what we're we're actively going after right now is retailers so that we You can, say you're not a coder and you throw the word API around like it's I'm not. sorry. I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've had to learn. It's been a vertical yes. learning curve. And I've learned a lot through my mistakes. Mm -hmm. But um, an API allows the, the retailers to basically plug into your your tool. Correct. And, Thank and you. Automatically connect with it. Right. Yes. So, yeah, it's an application process interface. Mm -hmm. And. 
Sorry, that's really about the depth of my knowledge. <laughs> yes, it allows a it allows a retailer at the time of purchase to send information to our database so that we can create that tool record for their customer and generate an account and transfer that record into their customer's account automatically without them doing anything. Wow, and that's that's awesome. <laughs> it's that makes it even more efficient. <laughs> well, and that's the whole thing is it saves everybody time mm -hmm. and it creates the records that everybody mm -hmm. benefits from. And so your main challenge, sorry, go ahead. No, that's, yeah, I think that's really, the, that's the, that's the crux of where we're at is mm -hmm. we've developed it. We have all the pieces in play and now it's the execution. Mm -hmm. so, Getting the, the retailers to, to buy in, uh, you know, correct. you're like Steve Jobs going to the, the, the computer store trying to sell them the first Apple. <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. yeah in a sense. <laughs> I know that's that's a that's a pretty big uh, name to throw out there, but but yeah, much but, smaller version of that for yes. sure. <laughs> but that's what it, that's that's the business part about it, and that's what this podcast is about is business, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, really, I guess you got to go out there and and sell sell your ass off. <laughs> and that's a really big part of it. So we just finished. I just finished. Um, I guess I've been back for almost a month now, but mm -hmm. um, I was on the road for six weeks. I drove really. I guess I was technically on the road for eight weeks. And we just went over 12,000 miles going to um, manufacturing companies mm -hmm. and partnering with them, helping them understand the service we're bringing so that they could, they would allow us to use their uh, marketing images for their models because we've had to build our own database so we can automate this process so that we know, you know, we've had to create so many uh, models and products for every brand mm -hmm. and identify them by UPCs. So that when we see a UPC or a SKU coming from a retailer, we know exactly the the manufacturer, the the model, mm -hmm. and whatever serial numbers they can capture with that, and we can automatically turn those into records. Would that help them also with theft? Because we were at Lowe's last week, and yes. that they they said that a uh, hundred thousand dollars within the last like three months, or was it a month? Yeah. was stolen yeah. right out of their store. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And so that's the whole thing is like theft in the construction industry is is one and a half billion dollars. Mm -hmm. But essentially what our service does is allows a retailer to create a purchase or to create a purchase record or mm -hmm. tool record using the SKU number and attaching a serial number that's on the box. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that at the point of sale for a retailer, Ultimately, we could do that for the retailer when they create inventory yeah. systems, and we could attach actual serial numbers of product to their SKUs, mm -hmm. and because they would then be scanned in their store, those serial numbers physically are would show up as property of that store. So if it walks out of store and somebody took it to a pawn shop, mm -hmm. all they'd have to do is search the, the serial number in the database and say, oh, no, actually, this belongs to Home Depot. Yeah. Oh, this belongs to Lowe's. Sorry, yeah. not buying that tool. And- at that point, we could then notify with mm -hmm. our system. It's like that tool we know belongs to Home Depot. So it's an instant notification. Hey, this tool was just searched at this pawn shop. Yeah. And I was just thinking too, like as you were explaining that, and a, a big application of, of, of that is the – is the the community you're part of it is what you're doing is you're building a community of the ecosystem that works Correct. together. And I was just imagining even – when they have, when they can, even a retailer can basically, you know, send out a, you know, a, a notification or something like that, or however, however it works. When when they do get hit or when things do get stole stolen, and then that can alert the builders 
uh, and let them know, hey, these tools are stolen. You know, if someone tries to come and sell you these, or so I don't know if that ever happens. Do people try to sell builders tools? Like, oh, I, I mean, I think quite often, and I, you know, I saw an article yesterday. I think what happens more often than not is I saw an article, and it was in Minnesota, and it was, um, I think they said. Some job trailer got hit. These guys showed up in the morning and they lost about $14,000 in tools. Mm -hmm. If you have any information, hey, contact us. And that's like, that's the dumbed down way of saying, um, we got nothing. We got no leads. We have no information. So if you know something, help us because we weren't smart enough to help ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like, th this is a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. And if we can, if we can make this go, imagine how many bikes are stolen. Imagine how many computers are stolen. Mm -hmm. This is in my mind. And again, this comes back to like building forts and having that imagination and then trying to build something and say, oh, that's not quite right. Let's try it again. But in my mind with that same mindset, this is going to be the next evolution of how we process or how we how things are transacted when you mm -hmm. buy something because information is key mm -hmm. and information is power and we have it we're just not giving it to the people mm -hmm. and really all that all that we need to do is create that demand and and we're working some back channel ways to create that demand and say to users man we want more we expect more mm -hmm. if we're going to buy something from you and you have this information why wouldn't you give that to us why wouldn't you help us get that because that's going to help drive customer loyalty mm -hmm. like you do that for me and i'm coming back every time mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah and you know i was just uh, th thinking too it's like let me let me pause because I, I lost my train of thought um yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to not have any dead silence on this podcast, but then I realized just recently, like, it's okay to stop and think for a few seconds. Like, that's that's how conversations flow anyways. And I've listened to a few podcasts where they do that. You know, it's like he'll, he'll sit there in just 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> it, it is funny because you're like, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, now let's talk I, about that. I did remember what I was I was just thinking and just like, uh, power tool safe is allowing people to have uh, kind of the power back into their hands a little bit and a little bit more control of when you know disaster strikes you know of when Absolutely. when yeah. they get stolen a little bit more more controlled for for that well it's you're right it, it empowers them because if you think about it when your stuff gets you show up and something's gone I we've got guests right now and we were I was explaining kind of what we do to them last night and he said man I wish I had that because I came out the other day like I guess it was a couple months ago and he said I came out to my car I pulled in just for a minute I went upstairs I came back out and I saw my door wasn't closed and I knew right away somebody got into my car mm -hmm. and I had a camera bag there and I had two oh, cameras no. and all my stuff and he goes my heart just sunk he goes i wish i had this application i wish i had something where i had information mm -hmm. that i could do something with it and so i think for me that was the biggest thing and in, in, in my mind it was probably even subconscious at the time but it was realizing like when my stuff got stolen damn i was pissed mm -hmm. i was so pissed because i felt like i was violated like somebody took shit that belonged to me it's mm -hmm. not how dare them mm -hmm. and and i think what was more insulting to me is, is that realization. I let it happen mm -hmm. and I did nothing to make sure that I could fight back. Mm -hmm. 
And so everything beca- became more, um, it was reactive. Mm-hmm. And so through that whole process, I've realized like if we can create, if we can create a system that gives people the tools they need to be proactive so that, I mean, it's almost like a chess game. Mm-hmm. If somebody's going to take something from you, are you going to play defense or are you going to play offense? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you got a bishop that's, that's looking to take out your queen, mm-hmm. are you going to, are you going to wait till your queen is gone and then say, oh no, mm-hmm. how dare you? Yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it's kind of like a chess game by, by creating records, by taking a little bit of time to create the records you need. Now you can fight back. Now you can automatically search online for stolen tools. Now you can share that information mm-hmm. and now you can make it harder for thieves to get away with it. And ultimately that's the whole goal. That's, that's the, the main sentiment that most people have is, is when, when you show up and something's gone, the first thing you want to do is you just want to figure out who took your stuff and you want to make them pay. Mm-hmm. And, and like, that's the emotion, that's the driver. And that driver, mm-hmm. the realization is, yeah, but I got nothing to go on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have, I've caught someone in, in, yeah. in the middle of breaking into my brother's car. Yeah. And I've caught somebody breaking into my roommate's car too. Yeah. And I, and I, I actually walked out there. I didn't know that they were in the, I actually thought it was my brother in the front mm-hmm. seat. And it was like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I like, it was like really early in the morning, you know, like, uh, and I went out there to grab something. And I opened the back door, and as soon as I opened the back door, the dude in the front just kind of like turns around. And I'm like, "Oh, that's not my brother." Yeah. <laughs> and he hops out, and I was like, you know, you know, I, I could have, you know, like tried to help hold him there. I, I just told him to get the fuck out, you know, like just go, yeah. just go. <laughs> and then I t- went and told my brother, and he was mad that I told him that because he ran out there and tried to chase him down. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened to me too when I was in college, and it was my roommate's car, and I went out. Same thing in the middle of the night. It was probably only ten o'clock or eleven o'clock, and. I went to get something or I walked by her car and I saw somebody move or saw movement in the car and I noticed right away somebody was in it. So I opened the door and I grabbed this jerk and I pulled him out and I pulled him in and I pinned him on the ground in the house and I called the cops. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just wanted to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I'm like, how <laughs> dare you? This is mine. This is this belongs to me. You have no right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and, he startled me actually. Like I, because I, yeah. I, I I thought it was someone else. So it's kind of I was like a little shocked, and then I, I paused for a second, and then I was like, just get out, dude, just it, go. <laughs> and I think that happened to me, but it was like it was instant rage. Okay, gotcha. Like, like oh no, you don't. Mm-hmm. This you have no right here. No, for sure. And it's and I don't know maybe. My brother would have did the same thing. So <laughs> I think we all I think we all respond a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but I don't know anybody who's gonna walk out and see somebody in their car and be like, oh. Have a great day. Close, yeah. the, close the door when you're done. You know, yeah, de- I think, definitely. Yeah. I think everybody's going to be triggered somewhat mm-hmm. by that. No, for sure. And, and so that was kind of, uh, well, I, I was kind of uh, prefacing it with, uh, you, you are putting the power kind of into, into you know, letting people have that more, more of a chance to fight back, uh, more of a chance to, to get their stuff back. But I, I was, that was kind of leading up to another thought is we, we kind of have a culture of, of theft, in 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 our country maybe in other countries too but i can only speak for ours um and where it's looked at as not as bad for a lot of people where it's like oh i'm just stealing this little thing oh and you know even even with uh you know streaming service not streaming services but uh you know like share in the early 2000s when all those like you know stealing stealing music you know it's like yeah it's just it's just an mp3 well and you know it's what people honestly i think I think that's a really good point, and that's something that we definitely deal with, and that op- opens up a whole nother conversation 
and it really comes back to politics. It comes back to, um, it, it comes back to the moral fabric of our society, of of our country, of where we want to go and how we get there and how we take care of each other. Because when you're in a country where all you hear about is a new mass shooting every day, mm. who gives a shit about your tools stolen out of the mm -hmm. car? You know, it's like we, if we can't take care of each other, and in a sense, this is a small way for builders to help each other take care of each other. We have bigger fish to fry for sure. as a society. And I think even, even law enforcement, you know, they don't have the time to deal with this because if they're going from one mass murder to the next, if they're going from one rape to the next, from one B&E, from one domestic abuse case, the, the, these are called nonviolent crimes, mm -hmm. nonviolent offenders. So they take a lower priority oh, yeah. over. And the thieves uh, know that. And, and they do know that. And they know that builders don't have the resources to do much about it. And they know law enforcement is overwhelmed and can't do much either. So the whole goal is to create a resource that benefits everybody, saves them time, and can give effective communication mm -hmm. so that it doesn't require law enforcement as much time. For sure. And I, I mean, yeah, we have a problem in our mm -hmm. society. We definitely have problems. I don't have the answers. I wish I did. For sure. But- I believe we have a solution that can help make our society a little bit better mm -hmm. and can combat so much of the pain and theft that happens because, you know, when you look at retailers' inventory shrinkage, between that and contractors alone, and this just as a whole, mm -hmm. in the construction industry and retailer shrinkage, that's over $50 billion. That's not taking into consideration how many bikes are stolen a year, mm -hmm. you know? so many other applications that this could be used for. At the end of the day, it's about saving your money, protecting your investment, being wise with your purchases, mm -hmm. and actually working as a society because even retailers have this information and it's them saying, you know, you're my customer and you matter to me, so I'm going to give you the records to help protect you mm -hmm. and that you can do more with and that everybody can do more with because I can. For sure. And that's really where we are as a crux right now, and we're close. So mm -hmm. we're we're gonna keep pounding away until we get there. Yeah, and we've got we've got some things in the works. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I can come back and tell you, hey, guess what? We're a go, and this is what we're doing, and this is how it's going. But we're getting every day we get closer. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you can check out the website right now too, right? PowerToolSafe.com. Yeah, so and it's live. PowerToolSafe is live. Um, it really, it's for you can anybody. set up an account right now, right? <laughs> and it's free for anybody. You can register up to $10,000 in equipment, bikes, skis, computers, anything of value that you want to have records for so that you can be that you can be proactive if anything happens. So uh, go to www.powertoolsafe.com, set up an account, use your phone, create records just by taking photos. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, your phone is the best way to create records. Log in because it's, it's a web-based app. You can log in from your phone. You can log in from your computer. If you log in from your phone, create a bookmark, put it on your homepage, and it works just like an app. So information is at your fingertips, and you've got everything you need. And the people that have used it that we talk to, you know, we send out stickers for their trailers, you know, that say, warning, contents registered with Power Toolsafe. And I ask them, like, when you see that sticker, what does that mean? And they say, you know, it's like seeing an ADT sign mm -hmm. in a yard. When I see it, it just makes me think that somebody's paying attention and it makes me feel good. And it's that level of preparation that mm -hmm. just takes a minute that says, okay. And it'll make you feel good too. <laughs> it, it's amazing. And they say, you know, I, I feel yeah. good. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I'm prepared. 
And that's a sense of confidence and a level of peace that's like, okay, bring mm -hmm. it. Bring it. I dare you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so it, it that's the validation that keeps driving mm -hmm. us. Yeah, yeah. I got to talk to my, my brother. Uh, he needs to get on Power Tool Safe. Yeah. <laughs> he recently started his, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think he's really trying to 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 find his niche, you know. But okay. he, I, I noticed this. I, I've 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 I talked to a lot of businesses and I study businesses. Uh, it's one of my main things. And I noticed with a lot of construction companies, when they're starting out, they're wanting to do it all. They're wanting to do the gutters. They're wanting yeah. to do the side. They're wanting to do this. And that's kind of I think where he is at right now. But he has the main thing where he mainly does gutter insulation. I guess okay. they call it uh, sewage drainage. I don't know what they call it, but I forget stormwater. Stor stormwater. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And uh, but I mean, I call them gutters. I think most people call them gutters, sure. so it works. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, so he mainly, he mainly does that, and uh, uh, his his business is actually taking off. Like he's 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 getting a lot of good business, and I was nice. actually scared for him. What's what's his company? Uh, C C H Commercial. Nice, mm -hmm. nice. C H Commercial know, and Residential, I think. Uh, and more power to him for wanting to do more, for being ambitious, mm -hmm. for going after it, because that's how we grow. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing. He's, he's, he's not complacent and saying, no, I only do gutters and I only touch gutters. Yeah, yeah. And if it's any more than that, you got to call somebody else because that brings a higher level of service that customers want. It's mm -hmm. the same thing. No, for sure. It's the same thing. It does. But I, I do, I do see it as, uh, with any kind of business, you can start doing, uh, this, 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 and, and, and that, and, uh, some it starts taking up your time. It starts spreading your your, your bandwidth, and you don't have enough time for everything. <laughs> that almost sounds like you're speaking from experience. Yes, <laughs> but but that's a whole nother conversation again. And that's mm -hmm. that's talking about the balance beam of life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's called balance. You don't always maintain it. Sometimes you're overwhelmed. Sometimes sometimes it knocks you off the balance beam, mm -hmm. and then you have to kind of recalibrate and get back up. Yeah, and hopefully you you when it knocks you off. It sets it not you land at a higher spot than you were. Exactly. Like you may you may have fallen a little bit, but hopefully you're yeah. still higher than where you started. You know. <laughs> well, and and you know, so many people who get into construction, they learn through the trades, and it becomes believe it or not, but it's it it is an institution that you will learn if if you're open to it, you will learn progressively through your entire career. And mm -hmm. every time you get knocked off, boy, there's a lesson there. Mm -hmm. And and as soon as you get back on. That's a vertical learning curve. I mean, essentially, my lack of records knocked me off my balance beam because I had a routine. I knew what worked. And all of a sudden, my tools were gone. And now I had a hard time. I lost time because I didn't have the tools to go to work. Mm -hmm. I had to take the time to create the records. So that knocked me off my metaphorical balance beam at mm -hmm. the time. But that learning curve was huge with me. And it created a lesson that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And it created an awareness that I was like, ooh, okay. Chalk that one up. School of hard knocks. Yeah. Lesson learned. <laughs> no, for know? sure. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's true for so many of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's like uh there's a lot of good construction companies uh, that I that I, 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 I should contact and let them know because uh I think they could benefit from it and not even just construction companies. Like I, I, I could benefit from it, you know? So, yeah. Well, and you know, and that's been a wall that that's a barrier. That's really tough for us too. And we realized because I, you know, when people sign up or mm -hmm. I call them and we had an ambassador service where we would come to you remotely and we would create your records and catalog them for you. And that actually was pretty popular. People liked that idea because mm. again, they don't feel they have the time. A lot harder and to so, scale though. It, well, it is, but depending on how you do it, um, you can again, hire a service. Yeah, yeah, you could hire a service or young builders who want to improve their network. 
mm. and they want to essentially it becomes a job interview. Yeah. You know, builders would say, hey, catalog my stuff yeah. and we could have young builders in an area that would go out. Just scale and, out the labor. That's all you need exactly, to do. Exactly. Yeah. But um, it's the same thing. So builders are so busy today that they're worried about running their jobs, talking to their subs, talking mm-hmm. to their homeowners, keeping them happy, keeping materials ordered, invoicing, mm-hmm. accounting. They wear so yeah. many hats that that revenue generation is prime is their mm-hmm. main focus. Tool tracking is loss I, mitigation. I would pro- procrastinate on that, like knowing yes. I have like a thousand tools yes. or a bunch of tools. I would just be like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to get to it. And it, then the other things would happen. I would put it off. And then next thing I know, it's three three months later and I still haven't done it. <laughs> and that's exactly, it, it becomes the lowest priority because if I've got an hour, I'm going to spend that hour mm-hmm. finalizing an invoice so I can get paid. Yeah. Your tools aren't stolen yet. So why would you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so therein lies the perfect solution of partnering with a retailer who stands to gain growth profitability by offering that service to their users and saving their user that time, but still giving them that valuable information. I mean, it's more customer service is more valuable mm-hmm. than just the price. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really where we see this going because then it's then it it's just it's mainstream that much faster this is it's almost like accounting for your tools in a way that's exactly and, what it is and that's i think why that's why exactly people put it, it off is. too because yeah. I, it's easy to put off accounting as well too yeah so that that makes sense why you would have an ambassador service is that something you don't want to do or um, not going to do you know we we tried that for a while and we ran with it but it was the same thing it was like one out of so many people would get it and say, oh my gosh, I need to do that now. Mm-hmm. And usually that would be an employee that would have, you know, seven work vans or whatever and say, oh my gosh, my, I'm so tired of buying tools and having things mm. stolen. We Misplaced. Have, we, the thing is we have automated the process. Now, the cool thing is from your phone, you can, whether you have existing tools, you can create records just by, you know, you take two photos of each tool that you have. And if you can capture the, the brand, the model, and the serial number, that's all you need in those two photos. And we have a cataloging service that can complete your records for you. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we've done is because we've created a database and we're working with uh, manufacturing companies now to use their imagery, if you buy a tool and it's still in the box, let's say you go buy a Milwaukee tool and it's a kit. Let's say it's a drill, an impact, two batteries, and a charger. That UPC tells us it's a kit. We know the models that are there. We can use stock images for those models and automatically create those records for you Mm -hmm. just by you taking a picture of the QR codes on the box Mm -hmm. and the UPC and the receipt. We can create all the records of everything in that purchase with those three photos in seconds. Yeah. So we have automated the process, and now we're trying to just promote that and integrate it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sweet man. Yeah, this has been a, a a great thorough conversation about the the business and then Power Tools Safe and and the story behind it. And I think it really gives people a good understanding of of what it does. I actually see can see you know me me working for you as a content provider. I guess I could see some good uh, promotional pieces that could come be, be created out of this podcast. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's you know, and that's something that's always an evolution. And happy to have you. Happy to have yeah. you. And, and <laughs> happy, happy to, to have continue you. <laughs> that, uh, that collaboration mm-hmm. because that's that's the whole thing is like when you're out of your element because I can build you a hell of a house, mm-hmm. 
but programming has been a vertical learning curve that it's taken me years to figure out. Mm -hmm. And now that I've got the team, I'm trusting they have the experience. I know they have the experience because I've learned how to finally hire the people with the right experience mm -hmm. and the right um, temperament and the right guidance to help build that culture and that team. And it became, becomes the same thing. I can build you a house. I'm not good on marketing. I can build mm -hmm. you a house, but I need, you know, so many aspects of this new mm -hmm. business that is new to me that I, that again, it's finding the right partners and building that network and building that team mm -hmm. and building a team that works together and having good culture with that is, is really becoming the challenge. And that is almost, that is actually the fun part of the job. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> like I love, I love learning about every aspect about business. I actually, I want to be super, uh, knowledgeable and efficient and wise about every aspect of business. And I know that that's not everyone's MO, but I actually found out that I, I love video production and I love, I love, I love creating and I love marketing. Uh, but I love business more. I found that out. I've, I've, I've been an entrepreneur more than, than anything. I've, I've, since I was 16, you know, like yeah. reading entrepreneur magazine and, and all this stuff. And I even, we even built like a food truck with my, with my stepdad, you know, That's like cool. off, off, off a trailer. Uh, it was, it was not a food truck, but it was a food trailer, I guess you could say. Sure. But we were, we were starting to build it. I was funding it myself, you know, being 17, you know, working at Hardee's, you know, That's awesome. making $50 a day. Sure. <laughs> it's still trying to fund this thing <laughs> and go to school. And, uh, and you know, it's like, I've always been an entrepreneur and I've like, uh, I love the, the, the business side more than anything. So I realized that's really what, what, what I really want to like, just really like hone and really focus. And I think if you can master marketing, uh, you can grow any business. And, and well, and, I mean the business, the, the business model is fundamental. Right? Yeah. The business model is fundamental. The, and marketing, the, systems and, the marketing is fundamental is, yeah. is almost secondary to the business model, but mm -hmm. you're, you're right. There's so many aspects to every business. It's almost like every business has, you know, we were talking about the ecosystem of, of tools in mm -hmm. the construction industry. There is a business ecosystem with every aspect of it. And they're all so interrelated that mm -hmm. the deeper you get into that, in my mind, like I can get into the weeds pretty quick and say, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. Like I understand our business model. I can see our financial goals and how we can help everybody and everybody benefits. But then how does that tie into the social media mm -hmm. and client marketing and, and everything? It's like, there's a point where you, where sometimes you do have to step back and say, okay, now mm -hmm. I need to clarify all these relationships so that I yeah. can, how, how every aspect is related so that I can dive mm -hmm. deeper and build that culture around every aspect and bring it all together in one cohesive messaged mm -hmm. product. Yeah, I would say, yeah, systems and processes are first because if you can nail those down, uh, you can – your business is going to be running really well, you know. But you don't have any <laughs> systems and processes until you have a good business model and you have a good product. Yes, exactly. You have, to, so you have to build all that. So yeah, it's, it's all like interrelated. <laughs> yeah, it's all completely inter interrelated. And I think that's the fun part is that's really where we are. Um, we were talking about it the other day and it, I, the phrase came up, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm. And you're like, huh, that really kind of makes sense. And if you think about running your business from – that same perspective of like, what's the next most important thing? Well, 
what's the fundamental thing? Like, which one comes first? Which one is more important? Is it the concept? Is it the idea? Mm -hmm. Is it the business model? Like, is it the solution that it solves? Is it addressing the pain point? Is where, how do you know where to begin? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much there that everything needs a deep dive and then you got to connect them all together. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be a little bit nerdy here. Uh, but we can actually determine that the egg came first off of evolution <laughs> ah. because, uh, the, the person or the, the, the chicken that produced the first egg that was actually, uh, a hen or, or a chicken, it, it was different than that. And the mutation happened with that gestation of that egg. So it was the egg that came first. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Though, so it was, it, a, it was a, a very, th it was something that was very similar to what a current chicken is, but it was slightly different. Okay. So I'm going to expect, <laughs> I'm going to expect proper documentation on this. Cause I want to see on the screen, a link to that documentation. Oh yeah, sourcing that, uh, sourcing yep. everything. I want to see that because <laughs> I agree. I will read that and think that's really interesting because now next time somebody says it, I read it and I saw the report and and I, here's the scientific information. Mm -hmm. All right, now yeah. I know. Yeah, we are now just. I know. We, this is a podcast. Uh, you can fact check me or not if you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but obviously, you know that is theoretical. Uh, yeah. But it's based off of what logic would would. And not everything is logical either too so it's like <laughs> but and, and there lies the beauty with every business mm -hmm. is is like it's not always logically run sometimes there's an emotional connection mm -hmm. that prioritizes something yeah. whether again it's the connection to the pain point and the solution mm -hmm. or bring steve jobs up again when he left yeah. uh, apple it crashed he went and started another company pixar and it blew up he came yeah. back to apple it started going up again so it's like it's it, there's the little emotional aspect where he, he there was something he was doing yeah. that no one else could do. They, they were paying billions of dollars to do. They couldn't do. <laughs> and how much of that came from his imagination and the way his mind worked? And and I, I'm going to tie that back to like what we were talking about, being kids, building forts, being in the woods and not knowing our limitations and not having limitations placed on us, but just trusting that there's a way mm -hmm. and there's a solution. And if I believe it and I have that conviction... Why can't I do it? Yeah. And, and Steve Jobs yeah. is a perfect example of that. I think uh, our brains are machines that are designed to do just that. Yeah. Uh, we can come up with ideas and then figure out everything we need to do to make that come to reality. Like that's one of the special things that makes us so great is our ability to have ideas and pull them out out of our head, bring them into uh, reality. Us as in everyone alive, everyone who's ever been alive, every every human, every person is that amazing feature. You know, it's like, yeah. just like we were talking about before the podcast started, you know, the the Wright brothers, they imagined an airplane and yeah. they were and, able to And if to they listen to everybody who said, oh, you can't do that, that's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you can't you fly. Know? And, it's, and I think that's really a testament to greatness in just when you believe something or you see something, is trusting it and then having that determination to mm -hmm. say, no, I know I can do this. I, I'm going to figure this out. I can do this. I'm not going to quit. Mm -hmm. And it's that fortitude that drives you. And, and man, sometimes it gets frustrating and you're like, ah, is this ever going to, you know, are we ever going to get there? Mm -hmm. Or is this really a good idea? And then you tie back into your customers and the feedback and they're like, man, this is a great idea. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, you find that reinforcement along the way, but it, it's just 
believing in yourself is really what it comes down to is believing that you have something that people can benefit from mm-hmm. and yeah. following that and, and not you, giving up and not just believing it, but, uh, actually having it. <laughs> well, I like, if you I, actually have value that you can bring to someone, then you're going to be able to, to, to either make money off of it or help that person, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, you know what they say, dare to dream. Yeah. <laughs> Who says that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good point. Just kidding. <laughs> Everybody. Okay. So, uh, I, I do want to start closing this out, but I did have a question, uh, kind of that I was thinking of that I, I would like, uh, uh, to, to, to just pick your brain on a little bit. One thing I've also noticed with construction, uh, the construction industry, they don't have to rely on marketing as much. Uh, I, I don't think, depending on how big they want to be and, and how, how fast they want to grow, but a lot of construction companies can do really well just off of networking and word of mouth, mostly word of mouth. I think it, y- there is truth in that, um, but that's also a fallacy. Okay. So, I, I, I mean, that is a dichotomy where a lot of people can do well and at the same time, a lot of people struggle, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe they look like they're doing well, but they're probably, maybe or not. they're trying to, <laughs> or sometimes it's hard to stay busy. A lot of times it depends on which type of construction they're in. If they're an independent contractor, they don't necessarily have to go out to find homeowners. They can partner with two or three general contractors who can provide a source of work to them. Mm. So if it's an independent contractor who is very professional in what they do and they deliver a good product and they have a good price point, they will be very busy with two or three contractors. Mm. So if they're a general contractor and they're looking to build their brand, build their business, find their clients, Definitely need work marketing. for owners, yeah. they're going to need marketing. Yeah. So they got to like, bring those leads for the independent exactly, contractors. Exactly. So there, and the other thing is, you know, I, I spent, I'm from Montana and I spent several years building homes in Big Sky, Montana, a, a ski resort up there kind of, that would be Montana's equivalent to Colorado, to Aspen or Vail. Okay. Um, not quite to the level that Aspen and Vail are, mm-hmm. but um, it's getting there. It's For definitely sure. getting there. And there's a lot of people up there who have, you know, who want a three, a four, a five, a $15 million house. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be extremely selective on who they pick. And to build that clientele and have the marketing and to have the, the street credibility to get those jobs does take a lot of marketing. And it takes a lot of experience Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of exposure and a lot of networking. So I don't think it's safe to say that some people can do or that it's okay to just rely on one type of Mm -hmm. marketing, whether it's networking. I think anyone can benefit. Even if you're doing well, you can benefit off of marketing if you want to grow. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So were you an independent contractor or a general contractor? I I was a general contractor, um, but I evolved into a general contractor. I started, obviously I started as an employee. You know, I, I worked... Um, as an employee in construction and then uh, through my experience and I became an independent contractor and then I started hiring employees Mm -hmm. and we started um, as a framing contractor and then I became a general contractor and we really did everything from the foundation through you know we would do we'd pour our own concrete we would um, do our own framing we do our own siding we do our own trim work and then ultimately I got to the point where I just subbed everything out because mm-hmm. of too much work going and I couldn't run the cruise. For sure. But yeah, um, yeah so I, I've seen every aspect of the marketing and those relationships from independents to generals. And a lot of times, you know, working with other general contractors, it's crazy because, you know, sometimes we see each other as competition, but the reality is when we work together, 
you know, we can't all we can't all service everybody's needs. Exactly. And certain personalities work better with certain types of builders. Mm -hmm. And when we work together, we're all stronger. I, I believe that. Yeah. And that's so, the abundance mindset too. Of uh, yes, there's competition out there, and you'd be delusional to act like there isn't. But it is better when we were talking about this on the episode that's previously recorded. Uh, it is better when we're, we're working together. It does help out. But also it's like, yes, there's another person over here doing the same thing you're doing for the same type of industry or whatever. But like you said, um, there's so much work that there's so much like abundance of things that need to be done out yeah. there that you couldn't take all of that market share if you wanted to un unless – you built a monopoly. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, for so many of the development companies that are out there now, that's kind of what they've done. Mm. You know, they'll come in and say, we're going to we're gonna develop a 700-house neighborhood, and they'll do everything. Mm -hmm. You know, they will have independents that come in and work for them. They'll have subcontractors that work for them, but they have all their own crews. And it's not a matter of every builder or every lot can be sold to an individual who then hires their own general contractor. They're like, ah, we'll just do the whole damn thing. Yeah. And that's what you see around Denver. You know, but they do, you said they hire, they do sub out though, right? It, so they're providing those smaller businesses a, a consistent sure. workflow too at exactly. the same time. Exactly. And so that, that smaller business might not ever have to market because they can rely on all the mm -hmm. work provided by that one client. Yeah. They're, they're essentially, so, you know, that's interesting because they are a business. They could take on other things, but they're so involved with that one contractor. They're essentially they part of that. They're, they're, they're part of yeah. that business. Yeah. <laughs> Their business almost essentially doesn't even, I guess it does exist, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's more white labeled. I guess you could sure. say, but white labeling happens all the time with products. So I mean, yeah, happens all the time with construction too. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, there is a good feeling when somebody comes to you and it's like, Hey, can you build us a house? And you say, gosh, you know, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm overbooked right now. I can't, but I know a builder who's got a house mm. that he's being, that he's building next door to where you're looking to build. I'd like to connect you two. Yeah. And then to be able to help out a friend who's looking for a product and a friend who delivers a product and be like, cool, I could connect you guys. I couldn't help, but that's a win-win. Mm -hmm. That's a good feeling. For sure. That's still a good feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's a, uh, and uh, I may be doing that with uh, one thing here here soon too. So <laughs> yeah, because there's a thing in Cannon City, uh, that I recently got a proposal or sent a proposal for yesterday, and you know it's like that's an hour drive south. You know it's like, um, it's funny because they're in, they're in Denver and. I guess people in Denver think that Cannon City and Colorado Springs are the same, uh, but <laughs> but they're an hour long. I mean, yeah. just as far as Denver is from Colorado Springs. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, down our ways. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but yeah, about an hour. Uh, but uh, I may I may or may 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 not you know like uh, find someone else you know to, to to take it on. But I mean, I'm available the day they need it. You know, I'll probably I'll probably still end up doing it because I I'm right now in a in a mode where I'm just taking on whatever I can. Not whatever I can, uh, just as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm. So you still like that chaos? I do. Yes. And I'm. I'm. I'm also. I, it's not that I like the chaos. I just remember what it was like when there wasn't any chaos. Uh, yeah, but I think <laughs> I, knowing you the little bit that I do, I think you kind of thrive on chaos. Oh, I do. I mean, I threw myself into a very chaotic situation when I first moved out here, not knowing anyone and yeah. uh, building my business from scratch. That was very chaotic. Uh, so I did thrive in chaotic, but I, I guess I, what I remember is I remember what it was like when there was no consistent business and I don't want that to stop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's true. And that's a good, that's a good perspective to always maintain. Um, 
And kudos to you because you did. You came out here and you came out here on blind faith. Mm-hmm. And you came out here with a vision led by your imagination of what works for you, where your passion is, mm-hmm. and conviction that that's what you wanted to do. Yeah, I knew and, I wanted to 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 be uh, in the video production industry. That's kind of what what started it. And then, yeah, and so ahead, sorry. So what I've seen with your videos and the graphics that you do are amazing. Thank you. You definitely have a talent there, and I think it's really cool because how many episodes are you up to now on the show? This is three sixty seven, I think. Or no, one sixty seven. One hundred and sixty seven. So I, I mean. Just that level of, of commitment and dedication is the drive. And that's the same thing that I'm talking about. It's like when you have that vision and you you just you believe in it because mm-hmm. that's what matters. Yeah. My hat's off to you. Yeah. And like the podcast, I've been doing podcasts for many, many years. This isn't my first uh, rodeo, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, doing this podcast has taught me a lot. It's, it's really my first one where I really, really, really took it serious. And I... I've had experience and I've always wanted to even grow like a YouTube personality, grow like a YouTube channel. And this podcast also double acts as, as doing that for me, checking off that box as well, too, as being a business development tool, as being a good uh, good point to meet and talk in, to, to awesome people and learn about business. And also as something that I think is going to be very beneficial to a lot of people, but also have I, – I really believe that we can – impact uh, the whole the whole world uh globally at least and uuh, and maybe mars too and <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm not that ambitious <laughs> but go andrew <laughs> yes and and i i do feel like we could be a top podcast uh, uh a podcast a business podcast that really brings the small business reality to anyone who dreams of being a small business owner okay so help me out because um, back to the point of, um, you driving into your business and, and how much you, how analytical you get about the business side of things and understanding the business. Um, the video that you created about understanding social media was really beneficial to me. And I don't nice. know if that was a link or I can't remember. It's on YouTube. Could, yes. It's on YouTube. I was going to do, do remember it, the name of that or I was going to use it as a, a private video uh, just for my clients. Okay. But I was like, why don't I just open source this and, you know, just have be able to send it to my clients whenever they need it. And also anyone who might be able to find it and also grow my awareness as well, too, at the same time. So yeah. it was just going to be just for my, for, for my clients, but I wasn't going to hold on to. To, to that information just for my clients. I think it could help build stuff and be very informational for, for anybody. But also, when I wrote it, or when I when I created it, I had specific in mind clients, you know? Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, I, I just, for me, the coolest part is, like, coming back to this, and it's really an honor to be here and share my story and be able to talk about that with you. But there's a symbiosis here because you have brought information to me that helps me benefit that and has helped me grow my team. Mm-hmm. And I, I, honestly, that's what this is about is like that information that you are producing mm-hmm. helps others too. So you're helping me. And I think I, if you can share that information with others, man, you've got some good resources that really pe- that people benefit from. And if we can do this in a way that, you know, I don't mean to turn the tables at all, but that's why we're here. Like, how do we benefit? How do we benefit everyone? But how do we benefit each other? Because mm-hmm. that's when balance is maintained. Yeah, I was just going to try to find the video real quick. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just the vertical video uh, package distribution strategy. If you okay. search that, you should be able, able to find it. But yeah, I mean, it, and that helped me understand the different types of video posting on social media mm-hmm. and how that all integrates because social media is out of my realm. And I, you do, you have an aptitude for what you do and you have a passion for it. And thank you for sharing that because yeah. I get just as much from you as, well, I, I, I still probably get more from you, from your services and your help. No, and, man, it's, 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 it's very, that. very mutual. And I, I, I learn from everybody and uh, I, I appreciate you saying that. That really means a lot. And uh, when when I make videos like that, it's like that stuff I don't have to do. You know, it's like it's sure. it's not what you paid for. Uh, you know, for the ver- ver- when you when you paid for for vertical videos, uh, it's it's it wasn't kind of included. Uh, sure. But I wanted to make sure that if you're making if you're spending and investing time and money in this, it's going to be used correctly and get to the right spots. And if 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 we're not doing that then I'm not doing my job. That's what I feel. <laughs> and I want to help people. And I'm actually going to be creating a lot more videos like that that I can send cool. uh, to clients. Uh, Those are helpful. Those yeah. are helpful. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, and there's there's a, what, there's a, a video I do called the Story Brand Video where we really lean into the story and the strategy of that. And I have a whole four-point strategy uh, system written for that. Uh, we we kind of did something similar, but we, we, we pivoted a little bit, so that's sure. why I didn't send that because it didn't really apply. Uh, but that usually would come come with with that video is that four point strategy, and I could still okay. send that to you uh, if you'd like. But I'm going to turn that into a video, so you may just want the videos. I don't know. It's 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 you need about thirty minutes to set aside to read this document. It's a big one, uh, so it's. But it's worthwhile if you, if you're mm-hmm. trying to dive into how do I do this and pay attention to what it takes to make every aspect work of that business. It's worthwhile. I think so too, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to produce more videos like that because I think they're going to cool. be v- very helpful. They, and they uh, are. I, they are helpful. Because so the more the more value I could, like we were talking about, the more value you can bring, the more money you can make. <laughs> no, that's true too. That's true and, too. And that's kind of that's also a driving reason behind it. But the, the sure. main reason is like, I want to make sure that it does. The, it work. It performs the best it possibly can because it would be a, a, a damn shame if it didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that expertise to the podcast and to your clients. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well. Well. Thank you for for being a client. <laughs> Likewise. And and like I said, I don't I don't take that lightly. I really I. I don't know if it's because I'm still three years into my business or if maybe that's just who I am. But if someone is trusting me to produce and paying me that means the world to me. Like I just, it's, it's like that. I don't take that lightly. That's just how it is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. And it shows. Mm -hmm. Well, sweet. Yeah. We'll start wrapping this up. This has been, this has been a long one. Uh, the episode we just released yesterday, uh, uh, with Marcus actually promoting his festival. uh, It was about an hour and a half too. So, (laughs) so we're, we're just kind of getting longer and longer. I just keep adding more work to me because the longer the videos are, the more work it is. That's true. But it's all good because I'm, I'm, like I said, I have really big visions for this podcast. I think it's going to be my biggest business. One of my biggest businesses. It may hit there first is what what I'm getting at. I do want to scale VMIT and I also have some other ideas uh, with some applications. Actually, I was telling my friend, uh, I believe with the way technology is going, uh, video editing and my services and even movie producing are going to be outsourced to artificial intelligence. Completely. And and so I I believe there's more value I can add on top that builds on top of that. And I want to be able to develop those those systems that 
that put those jobs out of service <laughs> because it's going to happen. So I might as well get in front of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And so it's like vehement visuals actually is going to be more of a, of a, of a tech company. And it actually technically, technically is. Yeah. And uh, because I use video cameras, which is technology. Sure. <laughs> so it te we're technically already a tech, tech company. If you think about it. Uh, so it's like, I want to lean more into that and, you know, uh, build from that aspect of it and I'm already kind of building a software that's going to that's already starting to automate and edit things itself so awesome. I'm really excited about that and where, where I'm going and scaling scaling the business for that and it, but yeah I mean I have I like like I'm saying I do believe the podcast is a very powerful uh, platform that yeah. could be one of my most lucrative businesses yeah <laughs> well you're doing it from a place of passion and that's really what matters and when you do that then it doesn't feel like work yeah, exactly. And, you know, it still does. But yes, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. it, it's the it's the thing, though, is like that I've learned over the past month that I've known about, but I didn't actually learn. You can know about things, but not know them. It's kind of exactly. funny. Yep. And like I've known known it to be true, uh, but I don't feel like I really stepped into the entrepreneur role until about a month ago uh, of like obviously already doing some things. But like I think it's more. uh knowing what you need to do in your business and knowing what you need to delegate. I think that's what a real entrepreneur does. Uh, one that's successful and grows. And uh, you could you could say Columbus was an entrepreneur, uh, but... Nah, he was an explorer. Yeah. <laughs> he got paid to explore. That was the end of it. Okay. <laughs> New world, you yeah, know. Right? <laughs> but uh, my, my, what I'm getting at is... There's things in this podcast that I do that I shouldn't be doing. And I should really be only focusing on making sure everything is running perfectly and put building, building, building the things that do that, but really be focusing on the conversations, really be focusing on uh, the hosting of the podcast. That's, I think, what I need to be doing. Uh, not worried about is are you in frame? I, I, I'm looking over here every five <laughs> seconds to make sure that's still going. Like I yeah, shouldn't right. have to worry about that. Uh, not worrying about the editing, you know, getting that automated and edit. And well, that all comes with time. And, it, and it's coming. And, and it's coming. Yeah, and you're getting there, and that's and that's just that's part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a point where it's like it's not really a race from A to B. You know, that's all part of the journey. Mm -hmm. So if you're present through that journey and you pay attention to it, you can learn along the way. And you can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's we get so busy in life that we think, you know, we just have to get from A to B. No, you'll get from A to B, but you have to do it right. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it with all your heart. And you have to not beat yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That was doing true. that was doing that to myself last night. Like it's from a, a habit that I developed, you know, when I was starting my business. I would just start stressing about things, you know, it's like, are things coming? And it's like, things are going well, Andrew. Why the, why the hell are you stressing right now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's you true. can always find something to stress about though. It's true. Balance. And yes. I'll come back to balance. And you're right. It's so hard to give ourselves a little bit of latitude mm -hmm. and be like, you know, if you were watching a friend of yours, if you yourself mm -hmm. was a friend, you'd be like, right on. That's cool. But because it's you. You're like, yeah, but you should have. Yeah, you could have. You, mm -hmm. We are always hypercritical of ourselves. And sometimes that can be to our demise. So sometimes you got to just step back and be like, just keep going. Take a breath. Take some time. Good on you. Oh, yeah. Good job. No, for sure. You know? <laughs> and it's hard. It, it is, is hard yeah. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm, like, I'm excited where I'm at in my business. I'm at a very pivotal point. Uh, 
I'm not. I'm still. I, I like a make or break point, but I'm. I'm a little bit past that point. Fantastic. Uh, so, so I'm really excited and just making sure everything is, is not going to implode on itself. So, <laughs> just keep keep on keeping on. I, then right? I just finished the book, uh, the E Myth Revisited. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that book. Uh-uh. Uh, it's been around since the '80s, so I knew there was a chance that you might have heard of it because. The longer Are you calling is, me old? No, I just say the longer something is around, you know, <laughs> the more the more chances, opportunities you have had to. <laughs> you've at least been around since the eighties too, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's it's been revised and updated, but it's a really good book about you know, I guess the big takeaway, and they I think they may even coin the term, uh, the where you probably heard it before. It's like don't work in your business, work on your business. Uh, which is yeah. very thing that yeah. gets thrown around in business a lot, especially as you're learning yeah. and growing a business. Uh, but that's the main concept of the book is really putting those systems and processes in place. And like, it was perfect alignment with what I was already learning. Uh, sure. like things, we, we, it's, it's part of the law of attraction. You know, you attract mm-hmm. what you're thinking about. Uh, and so I was already thinking and already building those systems. And then I knew about that book already. I seen the title pop up in one of my apps and I was like, when I started listening to it and I didn't realize how accurate it was to exactly what I needed to learn. learn. So, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's man. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I keep, I keep saying, let's wrap this up and then talking for another 10 minutes, 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't know how much time you it's, have if your meter is about to run up or anything, but, uh, I didn't, I forgot my wallet. So I was like, I think I'll be okay. I've got my phone. I'll be good. And then I pulled it. And I thought, uh, Oh, uh, well, I'm going to take a chance today. Oh, okay. So we'll see if I have a ticket when I. Get so you have not. you have you didn't have a oh your wallet with you so you couldn't even even. Pay. I I left the house. I was like I probably don't need my wallet because mm. I didn't even think about parking. Yeah, yeah. So we'll figure out when I get out got whether you. or not that was a good idea or if I should have gone back and got my wallet. Well, during the weekdays around this time is when they walk on this street. Uh, I know that because I've been here for three years yep. and and I was paying attention. I've gotten tickets before. Uh, All right. Well, on that note, then I need to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been uh, the COS Business Podcast, and we'll see you guys on the next one.